Welcome to the Top Order podcast. It's this week in Cricket Time. We've got World Cup Watch again. Squads are going to come thick and fast over the next couple of weeks. We've got some unretirements. So we'll talk Stokes, Brooke, Atkinson, Archer and England squad balance. We'll also talk about Trent Bolt's return to the New Zealand squad. That's been confirmed. Jameson, Ravindra, a bit of squad balance there. And we'll also just talk a little bit about the South African weekend squad confirmed for the home test matches coming up all on the Top Order podcast. Stay tuned. Well, boys, as we said in the intro, we have come off a diet of, yeah, pretty decent Red Bull cricket over mm. the course of the last um, little while. We've had uh, the Sixth Ashes test played in Sydney last night. Um, I know, the, just, just when you boys thought you were out of this, suddenly you're, you're back in, not friends again. Well, exactly. So, yeah, the Matildas and the Lionesses playing mm. last night in that uh, what's well, been a scintillating sort of you know a couple of weeks of the women's uh, football World Cup, yeah. um, packed stadium in, in Sydney. Mm. It's been really really well supported. But we're not a football podcast, so we uh, we won't talk about that. But uh, David Warner made a nice joke that I did enjoy. He, he did absolutely, yeah, whinging about the uh, whinging about the ball changing, um, which did happen throughout the course of the mm-hmm. game. Actually, that the ball was changed it, many big times. Impact, big impact. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I guess the main thing, of course, the rain not saving Australia this time. But let's talk some. Let's talk. Some some cricket let's talk some cricket we've got world cup squads need to be announced um during september they can be changed right up to that deadline date yeah, so right at the end of september it's yeah. kind of still i think we talked about it a little bit last week wasn't it it's, it's a bit weird that they're the, naming them so early but the just in time world cup i think is yeah. the way that this is all coming wow. together absolutely if you, you name your squad up until the end of september and they might let you know what the grounds are as well by that point <laughs> as well yeah. yeah um but we have got an england squad for new zealand one day internationals in t20s that's been Announced and, and probably the you know the big news certainly from um, from my point of view in terms of what's popped up on my Twitter feed has been the return of Ben Stokes so his unretirement from um, uh, from One Day International cricket and his heroics in that 2019 World Cup final probably getting a fair bit of press. Interested probably to get the the, the neutrals view um, on that. Um, in, in terms of or, or, you know, the neut- both of you being neutrals in, in this respect any real surprises when you look at that England squad oh, I mean on Stokes I think it's the least surprising unretirement of all time isn't it although I think what it, what it did for me is um, I actually was having a bit of chat with someone else about retirements uh, a mate lately because we were talking about broad and that we you know we sort of got into a back and forth about you know the, the dream time to retire and all that and I basically said to him I've kind of come around on all that stuff and the dream time to retire is when you want to stop playing. Like it actually, there is no like you should retire then or this time. And if he wants to come back and he thinks this is actually a pinnacle world event, it kind of warms my heart to think, you know, we've talked many times about how I love the one day World Cup. Mm. There's been a lot of calls of the one day, you know, the one day format is kind of dying a little bit and people think, okay, let's just have T20 and test cricket or whatever. How do we kind of reinvigorate the one day format? Mm. But the players think this is worth like getting up, getting up for, getting, you know, back in the side for. Yeah, I think it's worth going to the World Cup for, but I feel for Harry Brook, who's performed superbly well for England over the last 12 to 18 months. And now because, and I have nothing against Ben Stokes, but now because Ben Stokes has decided that he's going to unretire from one day international cricket and make himself available and England have picked him that Harry Brook misses out on a chance to represent England at a World Cup, which I think for him is, uh, you know, he's got the rough end of the pineapple there a bit as far as I'm concerned. And can, before you sort of delve into that, Binksy, it, am I right in thinking Stokes 
from what I understand, is just going to play as a batter in this World Cup. Is that the thinking here? Yeah, look, I, I guess that this has been a sort of a, a little bit of a thing over the course of the last probably year or so with his knee. It's been very deliberately quiet almost around when he might bowl and when he might not bowl. And yeah. when you don't expect him to bowl, he pops up and bowls 14 overs off the reel. <laughs> um, my, my understanding is he's got patella tendonitis and the only cure for that really... Um, or the, the the cure that's been sort of prescribed is, is plenty of rest from impact and jumping um, activities. Okay. So, you know, he's not going down the trampoline park, I would have thought, in, in his off-season, and he's not doing any basketball, I wouldn't mm. have thought. But yeah, he's it, probably it, not going to feature for England at Tumbling Conference 2024, no, right? But, but it sounds as if, you know, it sounds as if golf and, and batting, mm. you know, is, is, is okay. So twisting okay, jumping and landing not okay. Look, I... I, again, um, you're the you know you're the resident physiotherapist here, and you know I forget whose knee injury it was that you diagnosed from you know 500 meters away. But look, um, jokes aside, I think that that's been the the diagnosis for, for Ben Stokes. I don't know whether he will bowl. Certainly, if he's got the ability to get through three or four overs, that really helps in terms of I'm in terms of balance. When it comes to I think your comment around Harry Brook, but Harry Brook being probably the unlucky one. Um, I've, I've probably got a slightly different take. It actually reminds me a little bit of the 05 Ashes where Kevin Peterson came into the to the side and um, they talked a hell of a lot about it being as a replacement for Graham Thorpe. Um, mm. And the reality then was A, Thorpe was injured, which wasn't really common knowledge at the time. Um, and B, probably the conversation was actually more that it would have been Ian Bell that would have missed out. Um, so look, not to not to sort of relitigate that. I, I think probably in terms of the way that this side has, has sort of um, transpired, it might actually be a, been a conversation that it was a David Milan that was missing out um, or potentially even a Jason Roy if, if Ben mm. Stokes is coming in as a batter rather than a Harry Brook. My, my other take on it is as well, I think when we talk about one-day international cricket um, and white ball cricket, I think it's actually more formulaic and it's probably more important to know your role um, and to have been in that role, you know, dozens, if not, you know, scores of times when you're going into a major tournament. So Ben Stokes, if he ends up batting at number five, um, whatever game situation he goes out to bat in number five in that World Cup, he'll have been in it before. Mm. He'll, he will have either been in the, oh shit, we're 20 for three and the power play is not finished. Or he will be in the holy shit. We're two hundred and fifty for three, uh, with twenty overs to go. Or he'll be coming in when um, it, you know this fireworks required for the last ten overs. What we've not got to forget here is Harry Brooks only played three one-day internationals. Um, yes, from a record perspective, you know um, he's got a strike rate near, nearly a hundred. Uh, so you know he, he's, he's no slouch, but he hasn't played. Um, I don't think enough of those games to really understand the situations he's going to be in. Um, and then I think the other, you know, the other thing would would be David Milan um, would probably be the other player who can bat at three and has batted very successfully at three. He's got a great record. And he? his record, the last seventeen games, he's got four hundreds and four fifties or, or, or something of, of that ilk. So um, he would have been really, really unlucky to miss out as well. The final thing, and Bordy, I know you're, you're keen to get in, is I, I think England have named this squad and then they've named the T Twenty squad as well for some T um, Twenties against New, New Zealand. Well. As well, and Brooks in that squad. So I, I think there's probably a couple of guys that are in that T20 squad that are going to play some cricket. And when we get to the stage of you know actually finalising the team or knowing who our injury reserves are, I think um, I think they've already said Luke Wright said I think that Harry Brook will go. 
yeah. to India. Um, alongside Jafra Archer, who's going to go as a, a, a traveling reserve. Mm. So I think that, you know, th- there's a chance that with an injury um, or potentially with a, you know, a serious lack of form through those New Zealand one day internationals for someone like a Jason Roy, that maybe Brooks, you know, test match credentials and any performances in those T20s could see him, you know, find his way into the into the squad. I think the other thing to say is Harry Brock had a bit of a mixed, well, not even a mixed IPL. He had 100 and bugger all else. Um, so, yeah. you know, they, they may well have looked at that and, and gone I, pitches I and matchups. a bit of a, a mixed test series as well, actually. I mean, I know he kind of, he's, he sort of got a few scores, but I think he those scores weren't convincing for a few of those occasions. I, mm. I don't know. I mean, it, it wasn't the, the when, when Harry Brook was here in New Zealand, you kind of thought, oh, like this guy can't yeah. do anything wrong. In this Ashes series, it was a bit more like, oh, okay, Harry Brook's finding his feet here still a, a little until, bit. Until the Ashes series, he averaged 80 in Test cricket. So yeah. not, not a lot of players go up. Now he's averaging the, 62, which yeah. is still not too bad. Not, not a lot of players go up from averaging 80 in Test cricket. Yeah, um, I, look, I beg to differ on that. I think he had a pretty decent Ashes uh, series for for a, for a, for a debutant, well over three hundred runs and um, you know match winning innings in in, in Leeds. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to maybe maybe disagree slightly um, on that one. And um, the other interesting thing is Gus Atkinson into that squad as well. Mm. So I think um, I'll contradict myself a little bit and say you know game situations. I think it's probably a little bit easier for a bowler because um, they're going to know where they're going to use him. Um, I think he's very much probably just. Um, um, jumped ahead of Ollie Stone um, as someone that can bowl, you know, in excess of 90 miles an hour alongside Mark Wood, who's been named in that squad as well. Um, so, you know, almost you, you probably don't see both of them playing together. Um, so, you know, Gus Atkinson's probably there on the depth chart for, for Mark Wood or a bit of, you know, rest and, and rotation. How, how how out of the blue is this for you? Like, did you know of Atkinson? I honestly, I mean, I've barely seen much of the 100. I've seen a few clips of uh, him bowl. He's obviously got some gas, but... He's not a name that I even knew of before the start of the series. He wasn't even in the sorry side at the start of this season, um, re- you know, regularly. So uh, 14 first-class games, uh, he's played 40-odd T20s, um, very little list A cricket, so only two list A games. Um, but um, has had a fantastic... Yeah. Yeah, has had a fantastic <laughs> has had a fantastic season for for Surrey um, so far, and I think you know they were talking about him as a guy that was um, you know had a strong action if he got into the setup. Um, that would improve and I think what you see now is with the SNC and um, being you know centrally contracted or at least in that um, in that bubble so to speak um, players do get stronger and, and quicker yeah, yeah. he's actually done that probably quicker than they would have expected he's playing in the 100 now and he's been clocked at 94 miles an hour in the 100 so um, look again um, if there's anything good that's come out of the 100 it's you know that it's on earth but potentially a guy that's you know that, that's on that depth chart for England above 90 mile an hour um, even if I think in the 100 a little bit like Australia um, they turn the speed guns up for the home <laughs> players um, and turn them down for the visiting players <laughs> fair enough um, just while we're on the 100 uh, and depth charts I mean, we uh, we unveiled Baldi's depth chart for the ODI World Cup and the test, test depth chart the other day D- despite getting the dates wrong mm, that's mm. okay that's fine that's minor details <laughs> it's only a year matter. later doesn't really matter it's not important um, what is important though is Spencer Johnson has been tearing up the 100 uh, bowled 20 deliveries the other day for one run which I think is a record that will stand for a very long time it's going to be hard to beat um, he's only played six list day games um, for Australia uh, sorry for, for South Australia 
but he is now firming to to be part of the World Cup squad for um, going to going to India, which is important because I as I revealed prior to broadcast, Australia's never won a World Cup without a Queensland-based fast bowler in their squad. Really? Yeah, so Billy Billy McDermott, 1987, father of now Billy the Kid's Kid, Ben McDermott, who's a fringe Australian player, uh, 1987. Uh, 1999, we had Adam Dale, of course, the most economical bowler ever. Chippen. Um, yes, and then in 2003, Andre Bichel, who famously saved Australia. Um, <laughs> 2007, I think... 2007. Mitchell Johnson. Mitchell Johnson, and then 2015 also Mitchell Johnson. So, um, and then the sprinkling of Shane Watson and, and Roy Simons in there as well for Australia. So, if Australia were to win the World Cup, Spencer Johnson must go as a member of the Brisbane Heat and by almost by proxy representing uh, the finest state in Australia north of the Tweed. Very very nice. Mm. Back back to England, Archer. I mean. It feels it doesn't feel especially surprising that he's not in the squad. I mean, he hasn't played for so long. Is there like it seemed? But again, it's sort of a bit like the the Tanvir Sanga conversation we had last week. You know, very different kind of players, but they seem very des- like they're going to take. They've already said, you know, we're going to give him pretty much every opportunity. We're going to take him along mm. to India and sort of hope that if someone gets injured, we can just slot him in straight away. It seems in, like they're obviously very invested in the the skill and. X factor, I guess, that he has if he's able to get himself fit again. Yeah, well, you just need to watch him bowl to know that that's there. <laughs> so I, I think the question really would be, it puts a lot of pressure on him, I think, if he's named in the 15-man squad and, you know, as resilient as you may be as a cricketer or a person, you're probably going to have some doubts that, you you know, you're, you're going to let your team down if, you, you know, you do mm-hmm. pull up injured again. Whereas, you know, I think almost being there with the squad, there's not a guarantee that someone's going to go down injured. But if someone does at the end of the, you know, end of the group stages or, you know, th- there's an opportunity to bring him in, then... Look, it's a scintillating prospect and, you know, it's a, it's a nice, not a nice problem to have because you'd probably want him fully fit and you'd, oh, yeah. you'd love to be picking from uh, Wood, Atkinson, Archer and going, look, one of you guys is going to miss out and all of you can bowl above 90 mile an hour. Uh, so, look, I, I think it's great that he's going to be with the squad. I think he's obviously got some experience in India. He's played, obviously, a little bit of IPL cricket. So, uh, you know, he, he, he might be the kind of guy that's going to help um, that, you know, that bowling group or definitely will be the kind of guy that will help that bowling group and maybe Atkinson himself. So, look, I think it, I think it's great that he's in and around that um, that environment. And, and I think the other thing that's, you know, that's come out through all this chat is um, just the way in which uh, there's some sort of synergies with that test series with uh, Joss Butler reaching out to uh, to Stokes yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. My conspiracy theory is when Stokes retired, he said, look, I'm retiring so that I don't have to answer the question about whether I'm going to play. Mm. And then if I'm, you know, in a decent, uh, decent state from a fitness perspective, I'll, of course I'll play in the World Cup. Um, so I, I wonder whether that might be the worst case, kept secret in, in English cricket. Mm. Um, the, the other fact is, I think the, the coaching staff and the captain, very different if you look at their demeanours to the to the test uh, the yes. test pairing. You know, McCollum a bit more gregarious, Stokes definitely appears gregarious, Butler just a little bit understated, Mott's very, very quiet, mm. but I don't think you can doubt their, you know, doubt their, their steel. And any questions around the squad um, or the selection or the planning, I think are just way off base. You know, England hold both trophies at the moment. So until they don't, 
um, you know, that that's probably when you start to question the decision making process of the powers that be in terms of that white wall cricket, I think, for England. And as we sort of segue to, to the New Zealand squads and stuff that have been named, I did I did think the, an interesting, not necessarily personnel decision for the England made is around the balance of their side. They've picked six seamers for the squad. And, um, you know, when we looked at Australia's side, there's re- like there's yeah there's Hazelwood Stark and Cummins and then it depends if you class Abbott as a you know seamer or an all-rounder and then there's about 15 all-rounders as we talked about last week but like and then if you look at New Zealand we're sort of the players that we've got to you know we could take six seamers but that feels like where all those players are fighting for maybe four you know four or five spots Mm. I I did think that was interesting and even looking at um, Luke Wright's comments he kind of touched on the fact we're having a lot of seamers like you know basically you could argue if they were going with the same sort of setup as maybe New Zealand or um, Australia they could have had a Will Jacks or a Harry Brook or whoever they wanted in place of Atkinson or one of these other seamers Mm. but uh, Luke Wright kind of pointed to the fact that there's 37 games in whatever it is or sorry nine games in 37 days and that they're going to plan a lot of rest and rotation and I suppose when you look through the England side Guys like Wokes and Topley and Wood and things, they, they're they players that have injuries and don't seem to be able to play games on the bounce and bounce and bounce. So, yeah, very like I think that's a different approach, but we'll see how it works for them. And the fact that they've got so many names maybe means that they are going to give a lot of guys an opportunity to play, which might be quite different to what New Zealand do. Yeah, the, the, the big surprise for me, and it or not surprise, is... There's so many left armers in that that squad as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's quite odd, particularly because um, I think William, uh, you know, Curran is you know a shoe in. I think um, yeah. Curran and Wokes, I think, um, really are going to provide that. Um, you know, almost neither of them is probably quite a number seven, but they're both probably seven and a halfs. Um, so I think that that. And I think one of them will be adding eight probably anyway because you've got Livingston Ali. Yeah, you got Marin Ali. Uh, so many, yeah, so much depth. So many options. Uh, yeah, so really I, I really think. Annoying. Yeah, I think Livingston's probably the the guy that misses out, and I, I think Joe Root might bowl a little bit at this World Cup as well, um, yeah. particularly if that you know if there is a little bit of spin in those um, in those pitches. Let, let's move on to to New Zealand. So uh, again unsurprisingly uh, really Trent Bolt confirms oh yeah I mean that was a shoo-in wasn't it well yeah we've been talking about it for like since we've been talking about it for nine months I think that we expected him to go to this World Cup I think most people by now sort of knew that that was going to happen they'd been but uh, you know there's still the odd person going oh what if he doesn't like what what if they stick to their guns or something and don't select him but yeah very nice to see him back in the squad I guess nice to see him back in the squad for this uh, warm-up series I guess against England because yeah we've talked about roles a lot you want to get in you want to get your roles going and Trent Bolt is obviously someone that's going to be in our starting lineup and yep. someone that's going to be important for New Zealand if we're going to go far in this tournament so yeah delighted to have him back I think the question is now you know he's going to go to this World Cup kind of what happens next after that will be the big question for uh, you know sort of watch the space for New Zealand because we'd love to see him play other formats and uh, and play for New Zealand for a little bit longer but yeah we'll see if that happens after this but yeah just delighted to have him back in that squad and what about the the balance of the the New Zealand squad I think Jameson's had a few fitness concerns so but you would say he's in your best best 11 wouldn't you um, I wouldn't I yeah okay. I, I wouldn't I, Matt um, Henry ahead of him 
Absolutely. I mean, uh, Henry's the. I, I think Henry's our second second name on the team sheet in terms of the bowling lineup for uh, the white for, ball stuff. For the England series or for the World Cup? For the World Cup. I mean, he's been absolutely brilliant since well, for for years. Matt Henry. He's been. You know, he, when we went to Pakistan, obviously that was a different sort of squad. He shone way above everyone else. Even looking back to the last World Cup, Matt Henry was you know one of our leading bowlers in that tournament as well. So yeah, look, I no questions asked if you are, if in my head that Matt Henry is above Southie, above Ferguson, above Milne, above ja- well above Jameson. I actually think Jameson, who's you know a good chance New Zealand playing UAE in the in the T20s starting tonight uh, overnight New Zealand time. So by the time this podcast comes out, probably has already been played. But I think what they're doing with. Uh, interesting that they've named him for that series. They've named him for the T20s against England. Then they've named him for the um, the ODI squad as well. My guess would be that he's he's no he's no chance to go to this World Cup. I think he's a chance. He, he this is like a we're getting you back into the swing of things for New Zealand. If you wow. look at his white ball record for New Zealand, it's not very good. If you look at how he went in the IPL, it's not especially good. He's been a absolutely brilliant Test bowler. He probably hasn't had as many, you know, he hasn't had as many opportunities to shine in the white, in white ball cricket. You know, maybe like a you know, different situation, but maybe a little bit like Harry Brook in that, you know, he's been around for a while, but sort of the white ball games, we've had a very settled side. We had, like I said, we've had Henry, Southey, Bolt, Ferguson. Those four, four names, uh, you know, they've been a brilliant bowling attack for a long, long time in white ball cricket. So we didn't need Jameson. He played in lots of different situations but never really shone. And, and I don't think he's a huge chance for this for this tournament, but wonderful to see him back on the park for New Zealand because it's, uh, you know, he, I think he's going to be a very important bowler for us in the test summer. And I think the importance of getting him back in the environment, getting him back just playing cricket again after after a stress fracture is, is really important. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about England's depth chart, Slippy. Uh, Jacob Duffy coming into the squad to replace Blair Tickner who is going to stay at home uh, with his yeah, newborn daughter I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, guessing he would have known roughly when that was going to come so yeah I, well uh, I think I think they were think, thinking he could uh, the baby would arrive and then Tickner would go baby arri- arrived and Tickner's obviously said look I'd you know, prefer yeah. to stick around and, and look I you know I think they there's going to be a lot of turnover in this next sort of couple of weeks for New Zealand because we've got this UAE series where we've got uh, we mentioned a few weeks ago we've got the debut potentially of, of Dean Foxcroft yep. same with Addie Ashok we've got a number of different names Cole McConkie over there Dane Cleaver uh, Chad Bowes loads and loads of players playing in this UAE T20 series then there's a bit of turnover over I think uh, Mark Chapman and Jimmy Neesham have babies on the way so they're going home Ish Sodi is going home for a bit of a break there's players that are playing in the 100, they're joining the squad. Some of these other players are going home. So there's going to be a lot of turnover. I think the England's the England ODI squad yep. is the one that we should really pay attention to in terms of like what what is New Zealand going to do for the ODI World Cup because that's the one that actually looks a lot more settled. The, there's four players missing from that and that in Chapman and Nisham, who I just mentioned, Sodi as well, and Kane Williamson obviously not in that squad. But... I think if you looked at that 15 that is named, that's probably the the squad plus those four that are, you know, those 19 names are fighting for the for the 15. 
And and Lippy, any updates on Kane Williamson? I know you've you've probably got a a few alerts set up if his name appears in any media. What what have you seen this he's, week? He's got alerts set up for elbow and Google as well. <laughs> any, any mention of elbow? Oh look, I mean, I would say probably slightly more positive than last week but I, I still think it's going to be pretty tough I he's already said that uh, I think they play some warm up games against Bangladesh just uh, after the squad's been named it's interesting I don't I don't know how they're going to play it because basically if you name your you know you can name your injury replacements right but you can't really take Kane Williamson as an injury replacement because then what are they going to do if he gets fit like Will Young or Ratchan Ravindra or you know Mark Chapman or whoever it is kind of in that mix are they going to go oh I've done my hamstring I'm out for the tournament now yeah so this is going to be an interesting question right can can you name Kane knowing that he has a pre-existing serious injury and then have him not be fit for the tournament how like how does what, that work well then pull him out and say he's mm. not an injury replacement anymore because he's injured yeah or name him in the squad and I then guess pull him they out if he's not fit. I guess they can. I'm, I mean, well, that would be my guess, that you can name him, they'll name him in the squad and then, uh, yeah, if they decide four games in that he's not going to make it, they can pull him out and say, but, you know, as soon, I guess as soon as you pull someone out, they're out for the whole tournament. Correct, so yeah. that's that's the, the risk that they would take. I, I do think for New Zealand that they, you know, as we talked about with England, they play a lot of, England may be planning to rotate their bowlers a lot. New Zealand for years have played a very traditional kind of we're going to get set up with our we're going to find our best 11 and we're going to just play them unless someone's got a bit of a niggle or unless conditions are different and we need two spinners or you know four seamers or whatever it is the balance of the side needs to change because of the pitch conditions we're just going to play our side and we're going to build on our roles and we're going to know exactly what we're going to do so that by the time we hit the semi-finals we're going to be rolling and ready to go and I guess that suits you know, you can carry a couple of players, right? If you're only planning on playing 12 or 13 throughout the tournament and the other guys are just sitting there, if they're thinking, okay, well, we're going to have, you know, a, a pretty settled batting lineup. We've got a choice maybe between Will Young and Mark Chapman. Uh, you know, possibly they can both go if uh, if Kane's not fit. If they, if he is fit, maybe they have to decide between one of those two guys or a Nisham or a Ravindra. Mm. There's a lot of permutations. The all-rounder permutations are the one that I think is going to make it really interesting for New Zealand. And it's the same for Australia. It'll be the same for England. Which combinations of all-rounders do you take to augment your yeah. three or four bowlers? And that's why the Matt Henry, Saudi Bolt question becomes really interesting because Australia are staring down the same possibility of only playing two seamers. You've got Josh Hazelwood's the number two ranked ODI bowler in the world right now. And on... The fact that you probably won't drop Pat Cummins as captain and Mitchell Stark has a ticket for life, effectively, to open the bowling for Australia in white ball cricket, um, he might be the one to miss out. So, well, and he's a weak link with the bat as well. Who's that, Josh Hazelwood? Yeah. Well, you you probably can't carry Hazelwood and Zampa in the same side, right? Because yeah. they are to um, England. I think they, England I think they will. Like, I said this last time. I, I think that the you must have six spinners in your in your lineup is sort of being a bit overblown. You see it in the England side. They've got. Yes, they've got some players that can bowl spin in Ali. But Australia and in, don't. And in, um, well, you've got Maxwell. You've got, well, yeah, Travis Head and Smith are, are very borderline yeah, on that. that's but, the problem. But right? I think you've Maxwell can do a job. You've got to get 10 overs job. out of that. But you've, so you've got to get 10 overs of Maxwell and Smith and Head if you're going to bowl extra spin. Or you bat Ashton Agar at seven, which is, well, in my mind, one and a half spots too high. But in my, mm. but, but for most pundits, probably yeah. half a spot too high. For Ashton Agar. So, so lot, lots of questions around balance of the all-rounders. And I think that will be the interesting thing when these squads are named for true. 
coming into the, the World ha- Cup. The, the spin options. Mm. Talking to spin options for New Zealand, we want to talk a little bit about Ratchin Ravindra, I think. So if you look at the squad for the England uh, ODIs, you've really only got him and Santner to provide that spinning. Yeah. Uh, okay, you're going to maybe throw Glenn Phillips at me, but realistically, it, it is those two, both left arm, uh, left arm sort of spinners. Mm. Um, what does that look like? We mentioned Ish. And again, do we really see, you know, spinners being um, as important as historically it would have been on the, on on an Indian World Cup? I, I think New Zealand's ideal lineup. I mean, yes, jump in. Leg spinners. Leg spinners have been doing awesome in the IPL for oh, like yeah, years yeah. and years yeah. and years. So wrist spin, I think, is the key in India. Yeah. Um, even though you have a look at the Indian national side, they're well, all cool deep will probably be well, there. Cool, cool deep and, and Yuzvendra Chahal might be there, mm. but you know their, their traditional strength has been Akshar, Ravindra Chandra, Ashwin, Jadeja, right? Yeah. So they're all finger spinners, Michael. So shut up. But I, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely think wrist spinners is going to be important to have. And Adil Rashid, a Zampa, uh, uh, Sodi. I, I think. I mean, Sodi's like Sodi's a lock to be in, in that squad, squad as long as he's as long as he's fit. And I, I think our ideal lineup includes Ish Sodi as well. And I think that's why the the seamers are really the ones fighting for the spots here because I think that I you've got, you're going to have Santner and Sodi in the lineup every single game for New Zealand is my expectation. And then you're going to have three seamers fighting for those spots. At, on Ravindra, I do think that, <coughs> I do think that seeing him in the squad for those ODIs makes it very interesting and, and kind of puts him closer than I guess I thought he was. Yeah, so look, I mean, if you run through that New Zealand lineup, you've got, uh, that ODI World Cup squ- or squad for England. You've got Alan Conway, Young, Mitchell, Latham, Phillips, Santner, Henry, Southey, Ferguson, Bolt is probably the lineup I think they'll go with in you know as their top eleven in that World Cup in that uh, ODI li- lineup against England. Then you've got Milne, Jameson, Ravindra, and Nichols. Those four guys I mentioned before: Sodi, Nisham, Chapman, and Williamson to come back in. As I said, I think Will, uh, Jameson goes straight away. Sodi comes back in. Nichols will go. I can't. I'm sort of staggered that he's in that squad, but um, you know, due to a number of different players being in and out, I guess the hope for New Zealand is that that means Williamson comes back in, and that means you've got two spots left. Or if you are going to bring in Chapman, you probably it's probably Will Young or uh, Finn Allen if they really want. I feel like they've invested too much time in Phil Allen to not take him. Yeah, but. They've invested a lot of time in Will Young as well. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, you've probably got looking at Chapman, Young and Allen fighting for two spots. And then you've got Nisham and Ravindra. If you are Nisham and Ravindra and then maybe Milne and Ferguson kind of, you you sort of can't fit all of those guys in. So, yeah, yeah, Ravindra's, I, I think Ravindra is closer and he's got the opportunity in these three series to actually sort of put himself ahead of probably a Jimmy Nisham or a Chapman. I think the thing that holds Ravindra back, a couple of things. Santner is a very similar bowler, obviously, and a much better bowler, Yeah, you know, and being a left-arm spinner. And also, I don't think they see Ravindra at this stage as a player who can come in and be a specialist batter Top replacement. Batter. Yeah. He's, they, they, the way they've brought him into these sides, it's always been batting at six, batting at seven, yeah. batting at eight. And, and arguably Santner with his experience is a better option batting down there and, and he's yep. and he's by a country mile a better a better spinner in fact I think he's one of the most underrated spinners in, in one day cricket you'll hear no argument from me from on, on that point let's finish the pod 
we'll get back to Red Bull cricket. Um, there is a segue that's around the white ball stuff, which is the SA20 is going to run from uh, January the 10th to February the 10th, 2024, which clashes with that New Zealand series. So we, I think, you know, knew that this was going to happen, that we're going to be a number of players yeah, that would prioritise the the white ball, um, the white ball cricket South Africa owned tournament. Um, let, let's not forget that. So, they're going to be without some, you know, some pretty significant players. Would Baldy, you like, would you like the list, list of them? Yeah. yeah. So um, Tuesday, the CSA chief executive for Litsi Moseki. I apologise if I've pronounced his name incorrectly. So no contracted players in those six T20 franchises that are owned by their IPL affiliates will go to New Zealand. Yeah. Which means the South African Test side will subsequently be without. <laughs> Timber Bavuma, Aidan Markram, Kagiso Rabada, Heinrich Klassen, Rassi van der Dussen, Lundi Ngidi, Marco Janssen, Onrik Nokia, Keshav Maharaj, uh, and potentially a whole bunch of other test candidates that could be snapped up in the auction that happens at the end of September. Right. I think even Dean Elgar was in that auction last year and, and picked up by someone. Yep. Right. So basically their captain and their frontline bowling attack as well as most others as, as well as all of their as attacking well as pretty much all their team yeah. Yeah. yeah so anyone anyone in South Africa who can strike at about 100 um, or can bowl the cricket ball is not going to go to New Zealand right. I did see a few funny comments basically saying why, why don't they just round up some South Africans that live here because there's quite a few of them well I'm just wondering if I've got a link I could, yeah, could, get, could, get, <laughs> could get a game um, yeah look look, I guess disappointing but yeah. it was always going to come wasn't it I think um, that, that, that you know there's going to be some clashes Um and priorities changed and, and look I guess particularly given the amount that South Africa uh, or Cricket South Africa I think as they're called have put into this um, T20 tournament mm. and they're trying you know they're tr- you know desperately trying to get some money into the that's into the, the coffers the re- aren't they that's the rhetoric the rhetoric from from Cricket South Africa is they need this tournament to be financially successful yep. and I don't know how the commercials work because the teams are owned by IPL franchises so I don't know what the revenue sharing model is but the rhetoric from Cricket South Africa is that if this tournament is successful, that they can push money back into grassroots and first-class cricket in South Africa, which, you know, if you read the Fox Sports article in the news this week, is on life support at yeah. best. Mm. Um, so if, if, if cricket in South Africa from a first-class perspective is to come off the breathing machine, yeah. it needs this tournament to be successful. Unfortunately, the success of this tournament will be at the expense of their test side. Well, an expense of the World Test Championship, which, I mean... I guess from a New Zealand point of view, we've never beaten South Africa in a test series. We, I very happily would take 2-0 in the series and bank bank the points and all of that kind of stuff. But it, as you say, it, it's disappointing. I mean, it, it's, it's, these are like, these would have been two marquee series for New Zealand. We've got Whoa. South Africa at home, Australia at home. Like, teams that we traditionally love to play against and get, you know. And would have good support coming oh, out to New Zealand. You'd have really good support, yeah. I guess it makes it really easy for us to pick which test matches we're going to go to though, right? Yeah. With, with Australia here as and well. And that's the sad thing yeah. for, for New Zealand fans and for South Africans living in New Zealand, of which yeah. there are many, is they won't get to see yeah. their first choice side come and play. And it's going to be an ongoing problem for South Africa because they have very little international cricket scheduled. Yeah. I mean, only I think Afghanistan and Ireland have less, less international yeah. cricket scheduled going mm-hmm. forward. Again, per Fox Sports this week. But Look, something needs to change, and I, I, I'm hopeful that we don't look back on this as a watershed moment for the, the for the downfall or the or the steady demise of of the priority given to international cricket. 
Well, look, good segue to, I guess, the end of the podcast. I think um, listeners and uh, viewers of the pod, if you've got any suggestions for how to save Test Cricket, we are going to be recording an episode on that in the coming weeks. So, and what's wrong with it? Yeah, and what's wrong with it, if anything? Um, mm. So, look, drop whatever your viewpoint, um, drop it in the comments, whether that's on YouTube, on Facebook, uh, in our Twitter feed, we're on threads now, Instagram, I think, yeah, we're, 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 we're even on X, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the the yeah the, the so, social media yeah. platform as opposed to the drug. Um, Still not on TikTok. We don't we don't do the dances. I don't think that, that would be Having wise. Heard you sing the Sunrisers song. I think it's probably a smart decision. <laughs> yeah. We're all concerned. Um, Fear. So yeah, look, a good place to end the pod. We will be back next week. Um, we've got a bunch of episodes planned. So cricketing hall of fame. We'll finally um, finish it. We'll finally finish oh, it four goodness. years after uh, <laughs> after it started. How many players on that list have retired since? We'll Most uh, we'll yeah. do a little bit of a count of that. Um, we'll obviously have more news on World Cup squads as they're announced as well as we lead into that. And then of course. Um, we just mentioned earlier in the podcast New Zealand playing some international cricket tonight yeah. as well so we'll cover all that next week but for now it is good night and good bless from us all here in Auckland we'll see you next week on the Top Order Podcast good night <laughs>